Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Um, concerns about money and cash flow. We know that being an emotive trader, a fear-based trader, I've heard Chris and Louise talk about this all the time, trading from fear, being emotive and not trusting the formula, the science, doesn't lead you to good places. So these emotions you might be experiencing, being fearful about economic security, it's going to take some discipline not to be pulled into that fear space. Um, we know we're distracted. We know that we're not sharp. Therefore, could we be missing, um, and I'm going to use um, Louise and Chris terminology, entry and exit triggers. Hi, it's journalist Caroline Stephen. Today on Talking Trading, we feature part two of our interview with psychologist Simone Dawson on triumphing over trauma. And as Victoria adjusts to life after lockdown, today we discuss strategies to keep trauma at bay and to stay in balance in your life. And then Simone talks about a thing called hyperesthesia and how you might be feeling post-lockdown. She also says that as traders, we're smart, motivated and go-getters and we can turn any sort of trauma on its head and thrive. Louise Bedford in Mind Power talks about when enough is enough. Let's hear her now. When is enough enough? You see, so many people who are doing so well in the market can still feel impoverished. They can feel that they are not making enough, not doing well enough, and not the best version of themselves that they can be. We can be so critical to ourselves. And in fact, there is a reason for that. Evidence shows that if we are critical after a project that's gone wrong, then we do have a momentary spike in performance for the next project. That reinforces that critical feedback loop. So we do something, it doesn't quite work out, or maybe it does, but we just don't see it. We're critical and then we do better on the next project. But the problem with this is that it's short-lived. We run out of energy with that. We burn out. We don't realize that by being compassionate to ourselves, after we've fully recognized our flaws, of course, that is the thing that will drive us forward. And I think that's why so many traders who are doing well feel like, There'll never be enough. So how much is enough for you? Maybe you should put some quantity around that. How much do you need to live on? What do you need moving into retirement and beyond? How can you make sure that you are living the life that you want to live, 
but with boundaries around it so you know what that actually looks like. When I was in Vietnam several years ago now, I made friends with a lovely young lass called Mi, M-I, her name was Mi, and her grandmother sat beside me at one stage. We were looking over Mi's village, and we were looking at all of the people collecting wood, chopping down wood, making like little, they call it faggots of wood, where you wrap up a bundle of wood with a piece of twine, and partially with me translating and partially because her grandmother had a little bit of English, she told me that the village does this before winter so that there's a supply of wood for the village. And then all of a sudden she animated. The grandmother stood up and started shouting and everybody laid down their tools, just gathered up whatever they'd already cut down and started cleaning up. And I turned to me in surprise and I said, what's happening? And she said, my grandmother has the most valuable role in the village. She tells them when enough is enough. She's seen the winters. She knows what the weather is likely to be based on the current climate now. And she predicts how much wood is required for the village. And she is the one that says, stop now. You don't have to keep on going. There's no reason to continue. Enough is enough. I wish we had a little grandmother like that that I could sit beside and for her to say for me, enough is enough. I wish she was in your life. I wish she could sit beside you on that little bench in that blistering heat in Vietnam and with the cloying humidity. And I wish she could say to you, enough is enough. But we don't have our own little grandmother that has that role. We have to do this for ourselves. So quantify how much you need to live on. Sure, I do feel people underestimate that. So if you're more comfortable, double it. Work out what you need to retire on and beyond. What are you going to do with your life? What sort of life are you looking to live when you don't have an ongoing income from a job or from your business. When it's just you and your charts, what do you need to bring in to feel comfortable? And what do you need to bring in to live the luxury life? And only you can answer it. So do calculate when is enough enough for you. And you'll be one step closer towards living the trader's life. This is Allie Brown, and I'm listening to Talking Trading. Simone Dawson of Optum Outcomes is a psychologist who specializes in people health for business wealth. And today we have part two of Simone's interview on triumphing over trauma. And we start by looking at some strategies to keep trauma at bay during your day-to-day life. Here she is. So I'm going to touch on a few things and I'll try and kind of move through it quickly because each in its own could be an hour. Balanced lifestyle in general, good sleep health, good eating health, eating a balanced diet, trying to have a balance around how much alcohol. And I know that um, the liquor industry has done remarkably well out of COVID. I don't know whether to go, oh, am I worried or hey, maybe I'm one of them. But either way, I think we have to acknowledge that managing alcohol and managing that balance 
uh, with, you know, enjoyable activities, good food, good sleep, it's really critical. Mm. I'm going to touch on exercise and call it out in its own right. We know that when we're anxious or we're triggered, that exercise or let's 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 backpedal fight or flight our body's sympathetic nervous system it's very smart at keeping us alive if we feel traumatized or that the world's closing in our body kicks into this mode of run fight run now what we actually know is that exercise counteracts that response and it kicks into gear what's called our parasympathetic nervous system kicks us back into a bit of a homeostasis a baseline where we're a bit more calm i'd like to recommend 30 minutes a day a few days a week where exercise can be preventative so it helps us actually stay away from panic and trauma and it's actually curative so if you're going ah i'm not coping need to do something to ground myself exercise can be great as can mindfulness and i'm going to call that out as its own um, element and its own activity again i'd love to talk about mindfulness and using your senses to really be present and in the moment but it's probably another hour that we don't have so i'll just touch on it in that way and i'm going to say broadly connection with others is really critical whether you're talking about your trauma or your problems or excuse my French, and I know, Chris, you won't mind this at all, whether you're talking shit. Um, talking shit can be great. Watching Netflix and having a bit of a binge on chips and dip, go do it. You know, I think defining yourself by your trauma and your problems does no favours for anyone's. If you really want to focus in, nothing wrong with coaching, with therapy, support groups, online chat rooms, hotlines, you name it, it's out there for you. So let's say we're trading from home. We've got a family member who's suffering some depression. What do we do to reach out and support them or a friend or a girlfriend? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to keep in mind. So whether, and I want to broaden it, Caroline, it's a brilliant question, but it's broader than just depression. I think if we are struggling emotionally, whether we've got diagnosed depression, anxiety, some of those symptoms of trauma that we've touched on before, I think there's some really um, some key tips to kind of reaching out and engaging with people. I think be willing to support them by talking about the trauma, but only if they raise it. Don't go, so Caroline, mm -hmm. I know you got hit by a car a year ago. How are you coping with that? You know, be gentle, let them initiate. They'll let you know. You don't have to be an amateur psychologist. Sometimes just listening without judgment, being caring alongside someone can make the world of difference. I think reassuring someone that whatever their experience is, whatever they're going through, it's their normal and it's probably really understandable. One big thing I want to emphasise, mainly because it's all about me and I know I need to do better with it, don't take stuff personally. You know, when people are hurting, they hurt. They hurt others when people are hurting themselves. They might be irritable, cranky. They might be frightened. They might lash out. Try not to take it personally. Try to kind of remind yourself they're struggling right now. You know, when a dog gets hit by a car and you go to pat it, it might bite you. Not because it doesn't want your love and support, but because it's hurting. Um, I think reminding people about the things they used to love and the routines that help them can be fabulous. Be available just to listen, to talk shit, to watch Netflix, to bake cookies together, whatever it might be. And I think that if you're feeling that maybe they need a bit of encouragement for some professional support, put it out there in a gentle way that's not directing them, but just suggesting it to them. 
That is such good advice. Are there any additional considerations for 2020 in this bizarre year that we've just lived through that you can touch on right now? Oh my goodness, I'm gonna to have to hold myself back. I, I did 10 years of university um, studies in psychology and the whole 10 years I complained endlessly about research and the science. And why do I have to know statistics and be able to read journal articles? And Caroline, I have spent the last month neat deep and neat deep. Neck deep, I'm traumatised by my inability to enunciate. Uh, neck deep in research, validating some scientific theories that I've come up with. And I know people have changed. Our brains have changed. Our bodies have changed. So I'm going to touch on a couple of reasons why they've changed. The first one is think about our sensory experiences. Personally, I know a year ago, I was running through airports. I was probably having dinner with the likes of someone like you. I was probably having coffee with a friend. I was probably um, in meeting rooms. I was walking the city streets in my lunch break to have a bit of a exercise. You know, so what was I seeing? What was I hearing? What was I smelling? Have you got any recollections of say a year ago? What were you doing that was just normal sensory experience every day? I would love to answer this question. I was in Greece this time last year. <laughs> so okay. If you wanted to make me jealous, you've succeeded. Um, so I'm on the beach smelling a tropical cocktail of some sort, hearing the ocean, feeling the hot sand, having the breeze, smelling the coconut oil and hearing the play of others who are also so unfortunate to be lying on a beach in Greece. How did you get through? Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But ultimately, if our brains are amplifiers or it's a microphone input, Let's thank our brains for being hypervigilant. They keep us alive. So our brains, our senses are ultimately pathways to address danger, danger, danger. What we see, what we hear, it keeps us alive. So what's going to happen if everything gets quieter? If we can't hear, if we can't smell, if we're not touching much stuff, our brains need a certain level of detectability to be able to keep us safe. So it's going to turn up the amplifier. Great. So while we're in lockdown, our amplifier's loud and the microphone is noisy. What's going to happen when we get back out and those horns are blasting and those coffee shops are noisy and our work kitchen is full of all these noises? I'm calling up lockdown hypesthesia because ultimately we're going to feel really frightened and on edge and impacted. We're going to be oversensitive. So I'm not telling you that because you've got to be scared, but I think everybody, knowledge is power. So understand, be compassionate with yourself. Be compassionate with others. If you're getting out there and feeling a bit threatened and restless and unsafe and hypervigilant, there's a reason why. The second bit of science I want to share, and I bet you're sorry you asked the question, is that we actually rely on, um, oh gosh, I apologise. Why don't people turn off their phones, Caroline? Okay, so we actually rely on sensory input to generate energy in our brain. Now, lucky the research ethics in 1969 weren't as hardcore as they are now because they did some research in the Canadian Journal of Psychiatry on a lockdown prison population and we know that the effects of sensory deprivation in short bursts gives us our brain a break from that hypervigilance. So think the sensory deprivation tank but that's only for half an hour. It doesn't actually create any long-term adaptive changes to our brain that are detrimental. But, you know, 
these psychiatrists in Canada in the late 60s went, I'm sure what we're doing to these prisoners isn't actually good for them. Let's use them as guinea pigs and see what's actually happening for them. They developed a theory called input-output theory. And what that basically tells us is that energy is transmitted into our sensory system through our senses and converted in our neural structures into literally the spark of life. So in terms of being cognitively sharp, in terms of problem solving, learning, being switched on, being energised, if we've got a reduction in our external stimuli, we're kind of living underwater, to be quite frank. And I have to be honest, I've been really blessed with talking to people that have made themselves vulnerable and told me, I'm not as sharp. I don't feel as efficient, as effective. I'm, I'm not firing the way I used to. The good news is you'll come back from that. The other good news is there's an explanation and you're actually not dumb. You know, you haven't lost your, 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 your snappy, sharp mind. And I know for traders, you know, discipline mm -hmm. and focus, it's essential, right? I've, I've spoken to Louise about it a number of times about it's not interesting trading. It's not exciting. It's not arousing. There is a formula. There is discipline. And being able to dull out distractions and focus in is really critical. Now, this input-output theory tells us that if you're trading, you've probably struggled a little bit. Let me talk a little bit more about some of the actual defined symptoms. Do I have a couple of minutes to go through that? Just a couple, just touch on them. Beautiful. So we know that our concentration is impacted. We know that we're sluggish and we're apathetic. We know that we're very sensitive in a sensory way, which is gonna make us very distractible. We know that our lateral thinking, our problem solving, our speed of processing has all slowed down. We know that we are actually lumbering like a vestibular system, which is our balance center in our brain. We've lost spatial awareness because we're not in that variety of environments anymore. Um, emotionally, we're, we're kind of not as sharp. We're, we're, we're in a bit of a slump. Our energy is low. So look, I'm not going to go too much more into it. I really could spend an hour on it. Thank you for at least touching me on um, let me touch on a couple, but I guess in how does that translate? If you're a successful trader, what is this stuff going to mean for you? Um, concerns about money and cash flow. We know that being an emotive trader, a fear-based trader, I've heard Chris and Louise talk about this all the time, trading from fear, being emotive and not trusting the formula, the science, doesn't lead you to good places. So these emotions you might be experiencing, being fearful about economic security, it's going to take some discipline not to be pulled into that fear space. Um, we know we're distracted. We know that we're not sharp. Therefore, could we be missing, um, and I'm going to use um, Louise and Chris terminology, entry and exit triggers. Is that the correct term? Thanks, Carol. Uh, basically, are we mistyping orders because people <laughs> are distracted? And that really is Chris and Louise language. So I feel really smart saying that. I guess the other thing, and this is big, and I know for me, um, not feeling as sharp, not feeling as energised, as motivated, um, I basically know that a little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of confidence has crept in. Um, are you losing confidence about the judgments you're making when trading? Are you having doubts? Should I be full-time trading? If I'm not as smart, if I'm not as savvy as I was a year ago, 
what right do I have to have been here? Is imposter syndrome creeping back in? We've talked about that with Chris and Louise before. So these are all things that whilst they're not necessarily changeable the second you, you learn about them, I guess it's opportunity, right? I'm going to circle back to the initial point that trauma can be triumph. And I put it out to all of you. You are smart, ambitious, motivated go-getters. What are you going to turn COVID on its head to mean for you? In this font of wisdom, are there any special offers you'd like to offer listeners who have tuned in? Um, I've worked quite closely with Louise before and I love it. I have to say both what I get out of Chris and Louise in their trading minds. Um, all right, so I'm going to cut to the chase. I have a bit of a bias for um, talking trading listeners and I guess anyone who's in the trading game and know their stuff and they think or talk like these guys. But look, just the opportunity to be able to leverage people's success and optimise their ability to go to triumph. I have a package, like you said, exciting word. Um, so I'm calling it the, the, the Triumph After Trauma, Emerging from COVID Package. And it's basically a four-part program, Caroline. And it basically has three coaching sessions and a customised, call it Triumph Plan. So rather than a strategic plan or a coaching plan, I'm calling it a Triumph Plan because you guys don't want to just be strategic. You guys don't want to just cope and coach you want to triumph and i have every confidence you can so normally that's um 1650 plus gst i want to kind of knock 20 percent off for my soft spot um consumers now spaces are pretty booked up but i really want to get moving on this stuff too for people i'm also so confident in the impact this packages has and i'm so passionate about how much of a positive impact it has on people's lives um, basically have your first session see how it goes if you don't get value don't pay me walk away and say hey Sim it's been great chatting to you I'm not sure I'm going to get the value I'm hoping for out of this if you do go ahead instead of 1650 plus GST it's 1300 um, plus GST but you've got to let me know you're a talking trading fan otherwise I'll be charging you full price thanks for letting me put that out there Caroline that's all right, Sim. And how do people contact you? Um, I'd love you to go to my website at optimoutcomes.com. I'm very happy to receive a phone call, 0422-006-932. And like the other um, very lucky podcast interviewees, um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to put some links or some ways on your website to be able to reach me if you want to have a further chat. This is V for victory over trauma. Simone Dawson from Optum Outcomes, thank you so much for your insight and time. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege and I always love connecting with you, Caroline. Thank you. And that's all for today's show. Stay tuned next week for the last show of 2020 as we look at some of the highlights we've had throughout the year. I'm Caroline Stephen. Happy trading for this week. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. 
You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.